Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And welcome to the first edition of Our Dad Stamps podcast. I thought I'd start off these podcasts just giving a bit of background information about myself and, and how my love of stamps started. And today we are joined by my wife, Sheila, uh, who is going to ask me a few questions. So welcome, Sheila. Thank you very much, Pete. And it's a big honour to be on your very first podcast. I'm very pleased to have you here. So we start off with, with how I got involved in, in stamp collecting. And for me, it was probably a very, very early age because my father was, uh, was uh, in the Royal Navy in 1958 when I was only two and a half years old. He went away on a world tour in which he visited 15 different countries. And, and from each of those countries, he sent me and my brother a postcard. And obviously on these postcards were, were stamps of that particular country. So when they arrived at home, um, my mum used to read out the messages from my dad and I would look at the, the, the brightly coloured photos on the front and marvel at the stamps on the back and just wonder what all these countries were like. So this was a good introduction to you of different countries of the world because that's where your father had been travelling to in the Navy. Yes, indeed, it wasn't just about the stamps because with each postcard, mum would get out a map of the world and point out exactly where that was. So I was getting a good education at the same time and would find out about different countries and what they were like. And then when my dad came back, which was some two years later, he showed me how to steam off the stamps from the back of the postcards and that formed the start of, of my very first collection. So I've heard of people steaming open envelopes, but not of steaming stamps off of envelopes or postcards. Well, it's, it's steaming the stamps is, is the same idea. Basically, you want to um, moisten the glue to make it unsticky, if that is such a word. And lots of people soak the stamps off um, but steaming is a safer way of doing it. If, if you soak the stamps in water, some stamps, particularly uh, the older stamps of Queen Victoria and Edward VII, were printed in what was called fugitive inks, and they were deliberately designed to, to lose their colour if they were soaked in water. This was a deliberate ploy by the post office because they were really worried that people might soak off stamps and reuse them. And so the idea of a fugitive ink that would highlight this practice was brought about. If you steam them off, they don't spend so much time immersed in water, so they're less likely to leak the colours and therefore it's a, it's a safer method. So it's just a way then of getting the stamps off of the postcard or the envelope 
but preserving the quality of the stamp with the ink and the design. Exactly so, yes, yes. When you've got a box of 100 or so stamps that all need steaming off, that is an arduous task. And lots of people, me included, soak them in water because it's quicker. However, you do run the danger, as I said, of, of, of ruining the stamp. So steaming them off is a better process and, and certainly is one I would recommend. So having started my collection at a very young age, I, I continued to, to look at stamps and, and try to grow my, my collection. My father was an avid collector and we used to get stamps on approval every so often. So when they came around, he would let me choose a few for my collection and consequently it was, it was added to on a regular basis. Stamps on approval still happens today, which is amazing in the, in the current technological age. But it's basically where a dealer will send a book full of stamps to a customer, each stamp individually priced. The customer looks at the stamps, decides which one he wants, takes that stamp, and then pays for the for the ones that he has bought and sends the rest back to the dealer. It's completely based on trust. It's marvellous that that still carries on today in the, in the current climate, that people could still be trusted to pay for stamps that they have they have taken. Now that's a real surprise for me because I cannot think of any other product, I mean apart from utilities, we generally pay our water and electric after we've used them, but I cannot think of any other product where you can have that before you pay for it. So as you say, in the world we live in that there are still an institution and I guess stamp collecting is an institution that enables you to do that. Yeah, yeah, as you say, I think that probably is certainly one of the very few things where you where you get the product before you actually pay for it. And it just shows how trustworthy us stamp collectors are. From that starting point, we then moved to Malta. Malta was the place I was born in and my dad was stationed there once again in the Navy. Uh, and as a family, we moved completely to Malta. I would have been six years old and we lived there for three years. And whilst I lived in Malta, I continued to collect stamps. And there was a, quite a lot of stamp shops, stamp dealers in, in Valletta. And we used to go on a fairly regular basis into Valletta to go to the dealers and, and look at these stamps. And again, I was adding to my collection. But because we were in Malta and be, because it was my, my place of birth, I started to collect more and more Maltese stamps. And so from a very early age, I was already specialising in Maltese stamps. By the time we came back to England, I would have been about nine years old, and I had a reasonably decent collection, certainly big enough at that point to start separating it out. As I said, I, I was already specialising in Maltese stamps. And so like my father, I had an album for my British Commonwealth stamps, an album for my rest of the world stamps, but I also had an album specifically for Maltese stamps. And very proudly displayed in the front of my Maltese stamp album was Pip Halfpence Yellow, which was the first ever Maltese stamp produced. Not hugely valuable, at least the one I had wasn't hugely valuable. Uh, it was still pride of my collection because it was the first stamp. And where did you get that stamp? How did you source it? 
Being perfectly honest, I can't remember. I assume I bought it in one of the dealerships in Valletta, whether my dad bought it for me as a, as a treat or whether I used my pocket money for, me, for it. I really cannot remember, but it was and still is a, a, a special stamp in my collection. So you still have that stamp now? Probably, yes. Probably. I say probably because... As the story will unfold in a minute, the stamp collector went to my dad for a while and then came back to me. So I'm not sure what he did, whether he kept it or not. But I certainly have several half penny, half penny yellows now. So back in England, rather fortuitously, my mum got a job working in the local post office. She was in keen to encourage me and indulge my dad in our love of stamps. So every time there was a new issue of stamps which at this time, 1965, 66, 67, was becoming more and more regular. Every new issue, she came home with, with two full sets, one for me, one for my dad, and a first-day cover for me, and a first-day cover for my dad. First-day cover is just a, an envelope or letter that's been posted on the first day that the stamps were issued. And I certainly never paid for any of those, so it must have cost them quite a lot of money, But but we had... A very big collection in a very sh- short space of time or certainly I had a very big collection in a short space of time of, of the new sets of English stamps and those many of those first day covers I still have today so we've gone from a few stamps on the back of postcards to a three album collection in probably the space of five six years at that age as, as a as a early teenager I, I like to think my collection was quite advanced and, and certainly more than just uh, your normal schoolboy collection. And I remember every two or three years, my dad would buy the Standard Gibbons catalogue. It would be the, the simplified rest of the world catalogue. And we would look through our collections avidly to just to see whether the values had gone up, whether they'd gone down or, or what had happened. Not that we ever intended to sell anything uh, or even knew where to sell anything, but um, we always checked the values. So being a person not really au fait with stamping, what does it mean by the simplified? The simplified album, Stanley Gibbons produce, produces several different catalogues. In those days, it was it was a, a limited number, but there were several different ones. Now there are hundreds of different catalogues. But the, the difference is the simplified catalogue just lists the price of the basic stamp, whereas the more technical catalogues, which come under di- various different names, but they will list things like uh, varieties of watermark, uh, different shades of colour of the stamp, and any other slight variations some of which have a lot more value than others. So we had the, just the basic price. Um, and my dad always assumed whatever stamp he had, it was always the cheapest value. If, if there was two different shades of colour, and we always had difficulty working out the differences in colours, he always assumed he had the cheapest. The only thing we did do to look at slightly specialisms was to check the watermark because there are several different sets of stamps, particularly the George V stamps, where 
the watermarks are a completely different set, and so both those were listed. And we used the the age old method of lighter fuel, cigarette lighter fuel, to to moisten the stamp that which the watermark would then show through. Nowadays, of course, that's not a great idea in terms of health, in terms of safety. Uh, but also in terms of uh, uh, looking after your stamps. And there's lots of proprietary methods of, of finding the watermark. But back in the 60s, lighter fuel was pretty accepted by a lot of people. So you also mentioned that the gold standard is the Stanley Gibbons catalogue to finding out about the stamps, finding the value of stamps. I didn't know until the other day Stanley Gibbons was a real person. Yes, yes, indeed. He is like the godfather of stamp collecting, really. Stanley Gibbons, funnily enough, was born the year that the first stamp was issued, the Penny Black, in 1840. And he recognised from a very early age that, that people would collect these these postage labels, as they were called, or postage stamps. And by the age of 15, he was selling... Uh, stamps in his father's chemist shop. His father allowed him a, a, his own stall inside the chemist shop and he was making a, a reasonable living from, from selling stamps. Within a few years he had set up his own business completely as as a dealer of stamps. And the first ever Stanley Gibbons catalogue was produced in 1865. And the catalogue is basically a sales catalogue. And there is a misconception amongst some people, when, when they buy the Stanley Gibbons, or any other catalogue for that matter, in that it's, it gives you the value of the stamp. That's not strictly true. It gives you an idea of what the stamp is worth, but it's actually a price list. The list in the Stanley Gibbons catalogue is the price you would have to pay Stanley Gibbons to buy that particular stamp. You can't just look at the catalogue and say, oh, I've got one of those, it's worth £400. If you were selling a car, you wouldn't expect to sell it for the same price as a as a Ford dealer would sell the, the same car. So um, you wouldn't expect to sell your stamp for the same price that Stanley Gibbons is selling the stamp. And that's before you get onto differences in condition and everything else. So yeah, a catalogue is a very useful tool and, and certainly every stamp collector and every stamp dealer uses one. But as to the value of your stamp, you need to look at more things than just the catalogue. So you mentioned there that Stanley Gibbons created the first stamp. Did you say created? No, he didn't create the first stamp. He he was born when the first stamp was right. Created. So he was born. What was the purpose of posted stamps then? So presumably people were communicating via some kind of letter system. How and why did the stamp get invented for that purpose? Well, up to this time, although there was a royal post. It was farmed out to various odd concessions. And charges were very expensive based on the distance that was travelled by the letter. Also, it was paid for by the receiver, which was very time-consuming for, for the postman to collect, and sometimes meant the receiver either refused to pay or, or didn't have enough money to pay. So the whole system was quite inefficient. This led to calls for, for reform, and in 1835, a man called Roland Hill issued a paper proposing a lower charge which would be uniform for, throughout the whole of the UK. He also proposed that these charges could be prepaid by the sender and so speed up the whole process. Initially the charge was set at fourpence 
But by January 1840, this was reduced to a penny per half ounce. And in turn, this led to the production of the penny black as proof of prepayment. And on the 6th of May, the first penny black was issued. Within a very short space of time, just a few years, the rest of the world saw that this was a good idea and, and adopted the same, the same system. So with the very first penny stamp then, regardless of the distance that letter was going, it was one penny? Yes, there were two values actually. Again, most people think of the penny black. There was actually a Tuppany Blue issued at the same time. And although the penny black was printed first, both stamps, the penny black and the Tuppany Blue, were issued simultaneously on the 6th of May. So I imagine in the very early days of using a stamp, People would write the letter on one piece of paper, but that piece of paper would be folded almost to make its own envelope. You didn't have the paper and the envelope. It was one piece of paper creatively folded into the envelope. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, envelopes weren't needed in those days, so the paper was folded up in such a way to to resemble what is now an envelope and usually sealed with a wax seal so that nobody else could read the letter and tell the person it was intended to. So by the time I was 12, 13, uh, I had a pretty decent stamp collection. I was getting regular new issues from my mum still working at the post office. And this continued up until I went to university at age 18. I still kept up a healthy interest in stamps. Maybe didn't spend as much time as I did when I was younger because as a teenager you have other interests. And But we were still getting, as a, as, a, as a family, we were still getting stamps on approval which would add to my collection. As I said, my mum was bringing in some stamps every time there was a new issue. Uh, and also in the post office where she worked, the postmaster had a, a little cabinet of stamps that he used to sell. Whether these were his own stamps or whether they were somebody else's he was selling on their behalf, I'm not quite sure. But there was a steady influx of, of stamps on display with various odd prices. And quite often I would spend my pocket money or, or my newspaper round money on, on new stamps added to my collection. And then I got, got to 18, went off to university and I said to my dad, I'm going to university and I really won't have time to do anything with these and it's probably not safe to take my collection with me. I'll leave them with you and I'll come back for them at some point. Little was I to know that that some point would be quite a few years later. And that story we will continue next week when we pick up my resurrection of my love of stamps. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and DevCamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.